Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Banter Podcast. This is episode 54. I'm your host, Ben Cohen. I'm here with my co-host, Mike Luciano. Uh, Mike, how are you today, my friend? Ben, how I am is completely irrelevant after what you told me just before we started recording. Ben, how are you? Well, I'm glad you asked me. This is the first time in 54 episodes that you've asked me how I am doing. So I feel special today, and I'm feeling... uh, (laughs) I'm feeling, I'm feeling quite beat up this week. Um, I have a, I have a three-year-old son, and um, this week he, anyway, he's decided to give up sleeping through the night. He's decided to give up his nap. Uh, he's also decided to um, smear his own feces on the wall uh, in his bedroom um, <clears throat> and pee on the floor as well. So he's been urinating on the floor and putting his feces on the wall. Uh, so that's how my week's going. I don't know about uh, about how you are. Do your walls look like Jackson Pollock paintings, or is it that not that sophisticated? He it's is only not, three, after all. It's not that sophisticated, and he and it's nearer to the bottom of the wall, so it's behind his his uh, his bed, so you can't even see it. So there's no artistic merit to it whatsoever. Yes. Anyway, so apologies for everybody for that image uh, to open up the podcast with um, basically me on my hands and knees. Um, clearing urine and feces off of the floors and walls in my house. Um, <laughs> that's basically been my week for you. So um, yeah, it's been it's been fun. My wife and I are fairly traumatized from from the over the past few weeks of uh, no sleep and uh, extreme. We've got we were joking that we've got a three-nager because all of a sudden overnight he's turned into a um, an insane person. You know, every once in a while, someone will ask me, "Why don't you want kids?" <laughs> there we and, go and there we go <laughs> all right so last week derek chauvin the former minneapolis police officer who knelt on the neck of george floyd for nine and a half minutes was found guilty after 10 hours of deliberation by the jury over two days and while 10 hours is i believe longer than a typical jury deliberation in a case with charges like these, given the the high profile nature of it, the politically charged nature of it, I was expecting longer deliberations, especially because it involved a a cop. Uh, But when it was announced, or a former cop, but when it was announced that the jury had reached a verdict just on the second day, I suspected that that would be bad news for Derek Chauvin. And of course, he was convicted on all three counts, including second degree murder. That was the big one. And now all that's left is the sentencing and the appeal that's no doubt coming. So justice has been done in this case. It's not often done in cases such as this, but in this case, it was just so egregious that really the jury was left with, with no out. Any juror that might be inclined to give a cop a ton of leeway while deliberating, I mean, the video of this just made it impossible. Chauvin's actions made it impossible. And so we got a fairly prompt conviction, and, and thankfully so. The conservative reaction to this has been quite bizarre. I haven't seen many conservatives say that this was the wrong verdict. Some of the more fringe conservatives are saying that. For the most part, the, the Fox News crowd isn't saying that. Instead, they're fixated on like non-existent riots 
the attitude seemed to be like the jury found him guilty because they were afraid for their lives or they were afraid there would be riots. Tucker Carlson brought on an alternate juror in the trial who, of course, didn't even vote on the verdict. He trotted her on to say that she was worried about riots and blah, blah, blah. Some other commentators cited Congresswoman Maxine Waters and her stupid statement that protesters should, get, should quote, get more confrontational uh, if Chauvin was found not guilty. And they cited Biden basically saying he was hoping for a guilty verdict, uh, even though when he said that the jury had been sequestered, you know, and even if some of the jurors had seen the Biden statement, I doubt anyone would be swayed by that. So those are just my initial thoughts on the verdict, which was one of the most anticipated, um, if not the most anticipated in recent memory. Ben, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I wrote a piece about this for the banter this week, um, just because I thought, you know, look, this, in, in so I think this does, it was sort of, sort of symbolized a new era in America, right? I feel, I genuinely thought that, that this was you know, I don't think this would have happened um, 25 years ago. So, like, you know, the Rodney King beating, which where the, all the four policemen involved in the beating of Rodney King um, in the early 90s, I think it was 1991. So that was, yeah, it was 30 years ago. Uh, you had um, footage of, you know, a black man being beat, savagely beaten with batons and fists and, you know, hands and feet. And, you know, to the point where he was left brain, he was left with brain damaged and the cops walked because apparently that was justifiable force, you know. And I think now it, it does, it kind of, it's a new sort of era in race relations in America where, you know, it seems to me that white America is now, it's, it's, it's waking up to like the historic injustices done to black people. And waking up in the, and that waking up is not necessarily easy, and it doesn't necessarily happen in a kind of a straight line. And I think it's incredibly, um, you know, there's lots of kind of slipping up and um, going back. And I think the George Floyd, the killing of George Floyd, was it, it marked a turning point um, when you had even the staunchest republicans were like okay this is too much this is this is too much like this is awful uh, you know, george w bush wrote a, a very touching piece on the death of um george floyd and race relations and how you know he felt it was time for people like him to to listen rather than speak uh so you know look i think this it, it, obviously we saw what that did to america i mean we had literal we did have like mass protests and like it was a very crazy time to be in america to to be the entire planet like saw that and was up in arms about it and i think that the finding um Chauvin guilty was you know just an it was like a finally recognizing the Afri african-american community and saying you know what we can't do this anymore we can't continue killing african-american usually men uh, and there'd be absolutely no consequences whatsoever. That that's changing now, right? It's not to say that police shootings aren't happening. They are. They're continuing to happen, right? There are more, but now the public reaction to it is different, and the willingness to do something about it and to hold the police accountable is changing rapidly. And I think that the the guilty verdict was a you know 
this is a positive. This is a huge positive and a sign that maybe, maybe, you know, things are finally going to change. A lot of this is going to be reform. I think the Minneapolis Police Department is being investigated by um, the DOJ. Uh, this is going to be this is going to have very very serious repercussions, not just in in um, um, Minneapolis, but across you know across the country. Uh, people just we just had enough of it, and you know yeah, this guy you couldn't you couldn't be more guilty than Derek Chauvin. I mean, we had footage of him kneeling on a guy's neck for nine and a half minutes, right? Nine and a half minutes of kneeling on a guy's neck while he was begging, he was calling out to his mother. I mean, it, you couldn't get a clearer case of murder than that. You know, even his p- policeman, one of the fellow policemen, t- telling him there's no pulse, he hasn't got a pulse, and he still refused to remove his knee from the guy's neck. Right, yeah. that that's straight up. That's just that's just murder. Uh, you know, and as for the conservative reaction to it, um, the conservative media reaction to it, yeah, I mean, you know, what what do we expect? You know, what do we expect? This is their they their entire they heavily invested in changing the subject. Right and pointing the finger at black at Black Lives Matter, you know, at the at the rioters, at um, you know, and yeah, look, there is a problem, right? I do think we do. There is, I think, um, a lot of the 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 rioting and the looting and stuff like that was extremely counterproductive. Like I've I've never ever been a fan of that as a method of protest. Do I understand it? Yes, I understand it. I do. I get it. I get why that happens. You know, um, it's it's. Uh, you know, you just you can't contain the rage sometimes, and and this this is what happens. Do I condone it? No. Do I think people should be who who loot and burn and steal should be punished? Yes, I do. But you know, yeah, of course, Fox News and all the conservative talking heads they have a vested interest in in changing the focus because obviously they don't want to talk about a, a system that produces cops like Derek Chauvin. And also, nine and a half minutes. That is a long time to hold a position, right? right? Nine and a half. Try kneeling for nine and a half minutes. It takes commitment, and and that's what Derek Chauvin was set on doing. I, I mean, it's just it's nine and a half minutes is a remarkably long time to kneel like that. Um, well, so right around the time the Chauvin verdict was being read in Minneapolis. Uh, we started getting reports of a 16-year-old girl who was black being shot to death by police in Columbus, Ohio. And this was all that was known at the time publicly. And yet, despite having no details about the shooting, people on social media had some very strong opinions on the matter. And it wasn't just speculation. People were making affirmative statements like she was murdered and and they were saying this based on no information. And there was even a report out there that she was the one who called the police and that she was being abused. And and this was driving the second half of the day in the news cycle, or at least on social media. And it still is to an extent. People are still talking about this story. But Columbus police released the body cam footage that day, the day of the shooting. And it turns out she wasn't what you would call murdered in a legal sense because the footage from the shooting is, in my opinion, exonerates the officer. I, it's dramatic and disturbing. Police are responding to a call, and this is the shooting officer's 
body cam. It shows him getting out of the car. He happened, he comes upon a scene where a, a, a teenager is brandishing a knife and she's knocked down one girl and then turns around and turns her attention to another girl who is standing against the car and she has this large knife in her hand and she appears to be on the verge of stabbing the girl pinned against the car and the officer draws his weapon and fired four shots, all of which I believe struck Makia Bryant was her name. Um, and it killed her. And people, people on Twitter, they, they, they get a piece of information and nothing else. And immediately it becomes fodder for whatever cultural or, or political view that they hold. And they're going to do the, everything they can to get that view out there. And we've come to learn more information about this. A, a witness who was in the house at the time said this dispute started over housekeeping chores so this is just another example of just not waiting for additional information. And I will say there are people who are still condemning the police, right? Saying, oh, why, mm-hmm. didn't, why didn't he taser and stuff like that? I don't have an answer. I don't know how police are trained. All I know is that that cop had like not even a second to react. And he reacted and looks like he saved a woman from being stabbed and seriously hurt or maybe even killed. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that that was from what I've seen um, and the background that what I've read. I, you know, that was a justified shot. the The entire situation is, of course, absolutely tragic. Um, I, I, you know, everybody involved in that, nobody, nobody wins in a situation like this, right? It's like the 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 poor young girl who was. Um, Shot. I mean, I, from what I understand, she she had a very come from an incredibly troubled background. Yes. Um, you know, uh, she was basically again a, a it was a foster of, home. She was in a, a foster, yeah. foster home. You don't end up in a foster home if you have a happy home life. You know, so so I think clearly, you know, this 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 young girl had had a very tough life, very very difficult life. Clearly, you know, um, if she felt that she was driven driven to stab someone over. You know chores and housework. Uh, that that's clearly a sign of, of of very serious psychological issues for, for one. So you have to have, and she's a child. You know you have to have a lot of. And but I don't. You know I I I'm not of the opinion that you can. Uh, I think under a certain age, under one when you're a teenager, um, even if you commit a horrific crime, um, I still think in many ways that you're not you're not as responsible as you are as an adult. Agree. Um, you know, for various reasons, I'm not going to say anything bad about her for for what she tried to to do. Um, she was stabbing, you know, trying to knife somebody, which is obviously a horrific thing to do. But she's a child. But as a police, you know, as a policeman or a police officer, what option do you have? You, you're trying to prevent a murder there. So I think it was, you know, that was it was an appropriate use of force. It's tragic all round. The, the, I feel sorry for the for the girl who was killed. I feel sorry for the cop. I feel sorry for the person who was being attacked by Makir. Yeah, I, it's it's an all round awful situation and not made better by everybody um, speculating about it on Twitter without knowing what the details were. I agree. You know, if, if this were a 35 year old acting like this, uh, you know, if there was a 35 year old who had been shot by police under these circumstances, I might be inclined to think something like, well, you play stupid games, 
win stupid prizes. But like you said, this girl's only 16 years old. When you're 16, you don't know shit. Your brain is not even fully developed. You don't even know who you are as a person yet. So that's a very volatile age Mm. for a lot of kids. And that's what she was. And so, yeah, of course, it's just a bad situation. Uh, you know, Ben, when when we were texting possible topics for this podcast ahead of time, you know, you said we should probably talk about the latest police shooting. And I was like, all right, which one is he talking about? Right. <laughs> so, you know, so we just talked about the Bryant one. And, you know, we really don't like talking about this stuff, but we do feel like we would be derelict and not just mentioning, uh, I, I guess, the more recent one. Uh, which was Andrew Brown, 42-year-old man. Uh, he was also black in North Carolina. He was shot and killed by police when they went to serve him with a warrant related to drug charges. One witness says Brown was driving away when officers shot him, and reports now indicate he was shot in the back. Police have yet to release body cam footage of the shooting. That's really all the information that has been made publicly available. The only comment I have on that is the beat goes on, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, anytime someone's shot in the back, right, it doesn't look good. If the police shoot somebody in the back, it doesn't look good for the police unless the guy was in the process of trying to kill someone. Um, so, like, in a situation like that, obviously, I don't want to speculate too much, but obviously, you know, look, like, it does sound like, God, here we go. Here we go again. Um, you know, I'll, I'll wait till more um facts come out um but obviously you know right now it's like uh you know it goes on right it, it's never ending never ending sort of um news of uh of usually black men being shot to death by the police unarmed black men being shot by the police let's change gears uh, I think it's time for the segment, is it not, Ben? What crazy fucking thing did a Republican say this week? Who's going first? Uh, I can go first on this one. I've got a good one for everybody. Uh, so this week, this week's winner, um, in my view, was La- was Fox News, uh, Fox Business reporter um, or a host, uh, Larry Kudlow. Oh, the, the Trump's economic advisor. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So you, you you know he's got to be a real brain if he's a if he's Trump's guy, Trump's business guy, Trump Trump's money guy. You you know you know he's got to be a real a real winner. So this was um, what Larry Kudlow said about Joe Biden's new climate plan. Uh, he said to the abbreviated version was um, uh, that Brussels sprouts would be replacing hamburgers on the 4th of July. But he said a lot more than that. He said, I'm still suffering economic shock yesterday from shock from yesterday's Earth Day. It was back because President Biden announced a 50% cut in carbon emission in only a few years, which is going to throw a wet blanket over this booming economy for sure. Of course, it will wreck the fossil fuel sector, which still accounts for about 70% of our power. Speaking of stupid, there's a study coming out of the University of Michigan, which says that to meet Biden's Green New Deal targets, America has to get this. America has to stop eating meat, stop eating poultry and fish, seafood, eggs, dairy and animal based fats. Okay, got that? No burger on July 4th. No steaks on the barbecue. I'm sure middle America is just going to love that. Can you grill those Brussels sprouts? So get ready. You can throw a plant-based beer with your grilled Brussels sprouts and wave your American flag. Call it July 4th Green. Where do we even begin with this idiocy? I have to say, I do hate Brussels sprouts. 
But like, of course, I think a lot of people hate Brussels sprouts, but I think um, particularly uh, burger eating middle Americans who are who feel it's their God given right to consume as much red meat um, and burn as much gasoline in their back gardens as possible. So I don't even know where to begin with this. Don, Don Trump Jr. picked up on this, uh, telling his Twitter fans that um, he, you know, uh, he said, I'm pretty sure I ate four pounds of red meat yesterday. That's going to be a hard no for me. He was talking about, this is Fox News' um, uh, take on the spin on this, where Biden's climate requirements were to cut 90% of red meat from your diet, maximum of four pounds per year, one burger per month, right? Which is just nonsense, right? This is absolute bullshit, okay? There's, there was a study that came out of Michigan about what it might look like, how, how various ways in which we can get down um, we can cut our carbon. And the fact is, is that, look, like we are, we're all going to have to cut down on, on everything, on all carbon producing industries in food. We, we all going to have to cut down on it. It's, it's just a necessity, right? It's going to, we're going to cook the planet unless we do this. Right. So it's not like, uh, an imposition on, you know, um, it's not gonna. It's not gonna. A, it's not gonna kill us. And B, like we have the entire planet has to do this. Like we're all. It's a. Share, it's a sort of a shared responsibility. Um, and Biden is not absolutely not mandating cutting cutting people's beef consumption. You can probably have as much beef as you want, but we're going to have to factor carbon into the price of the beef, right? So instead of you know being able to get uh, have a burger for ninety nine cents, that burger is going to be more expensive. If you want to pollute the environment by eating red meat and and driving a SUV that uh, that, that guzzles carbon, at some point you're going to have to pay for the privilege of doing that. So this is fair, this is just common sense, and it, it seems that almost the entire planet, other than other than the the, the right in America, seems to understand this. So. Yes, Biden is not trying to make sure that you don't eat red meat. There's not going to be any restrict government restrictions on it. And yeah, this guy's an idiot. There you go. That's my what crazy fucking thing did a Republican say this week. I could go on. I just want to say if Don Jr. really eats four pounds of meat a day while also ingesting the amount of stimulants people say he ingests, that guy must need a new toilet every day. Four pounds of meat. Keep going, man. Keep going, make it, buddy. Make it yeah. five. Make it yeah. eight. Make it ten. Keep going. Exactly. Exactly. No, I mean, I just think it's amazing how how the right wing media is is um, distorting this, right? Um, that the Sun U.S. version, right? So the the Sun. I don't know how many people read the Sun in in the U.S., but the U. It's a Murdoch owned far right newspaper in the U.K. that has a U.S. version. They've basically done, they've distorted this as well, right? They've said. Biden's climate pledge could limit Americans to one burger a month, hike taxes, and force you to spend $55,000 on an electric car, right? Again, it's worth noting that Joe Biden's climate pledge does none of this, absolutely none of this whatsoever, right? And I also, I have an electric car, and I spent about six grand on my electric car because I got a used one. I got a used electric car, and I spent about roughly $6,000, and it works great. So, yeah, electric cars don't cost $55,000, it's just amazing how they the, the whole thing going around in, in the they want to paint Joe Biden as this sort of communist, right? This Soviet-style communist. He's going to mandate what you eat, what you wear, what you drink, 
um, uh, what car you drive. And it's just, it's just absolute bullshit, right? And obviously, you read any of the details of it, it's all complete speculation. One of the things they talk about this this tax hike, right? And then if you look further down the article, the article says, um, you know, uh, also they talk about this tax hike, the like big tax hike coming for us and blah, blah, blah. You, you read further down, it says such a tax hike could be upwards of $3,500 for the country's highest earners. Little caveat there, right? The country's highest earners. So yes, people like Jeff Bezos will be paying an extra three and a half grand a year to help reduce carbon. I think I think he could probably manage that. I think millionaires and billionaires could, could potentially afford an extra three and a half grand a, a year to help reduce our, America's carbon um, output. All right, Ben, you know, something you just said is going to make me get greedy. So originally I was going to do one, what crazy fucking thing did a Republican say this week? I'm now going to do two because something you said. Bonus alert, bonus alert, everybody. Bonus alert. You just mentioned how Republicans are trying to portray Biden as some like far out fringe lefty. And that reminded me of something that Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana said this week. What President Biden has done is immeasurably reckless and foolish. He's gone full wokerista. Uh, he has joined those people who believe that America was wicked in its origins and that the American people are even more wicked today. That we have millions of Americans who are racist and misogynistic and ignorant especially if they didn't vote for him. And the Wokeristas, who Mr. Biden has joined, have contempt for America. They should have gratitude. And I am very, very disappointed in President Biden. I knew he would be left of center. I didn't know he'd be left of Lenin. And he knows better. To the left of Lenin, you know, political scientists for years have been trying to find what to the left of Lenin looks like, right? Like all those physicists in Europe trying to find the Higgs boson particle all those years. Well, apparently John Kennedy has identified to the left of Lenin, and that is Joe Biden. Amazing. Wow. Anyway, so that's my bonus. But the original one, this should also be seen, but it can be heard as well, and and you'd get the gist. But just to see... Tucker Carlson interact with uh, this former New York City corrections official named Ed Gavin, and they are talking about the George Floyd case. I, I just think that it was excessive yeah, and well, it should have been. And what I'd like the, to say, the what, guy who did it looks like he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison. So I'm kind of more worried about the rest of the country, which, thanks to police inaction, in case you haven't noticed, is like boarded up. <laughs> so that's more of my concern. But I appreciate it. Come on, Ed Gavin. Thank you. Yep, done. Thank you. Um, so that laugh was very disturbing. Uh, what's your reaction to it, Ben? You had not heard this until I just played it, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, I, I felt a very um, sort of like a sh- uh, shiver, shivers going through my body, nausea and shivers. Like I, it's hard to e- explain the kind of the depths of disgust um, and and kind of revulsion I feel when I hear that that shrill laugh uh, from from our friend Tucker Carlson. What was that? 
what was that? It was just, it was downright maniacal. And then when the guy tries to get one more word in, and this is why if, if you watch this clip, you, you hear him say, nope, done. But the look on his face is so stern. And for the first time in watching, I don't know how many clips I've seen of this guy, but for the first time I, th- I thought maybe he's no longer acting. Maybe something is broken in his brain because he just seemed genuinely angry that this guest that he had on was not agreeing with, with whatever position Carlson had. I don't know. It was really, it was really weird. It was a maniacal laugh. It showed an utter contempt for a former law enforcement official. And it was just really fucking strange. And it made me wonder again, like, wait, am I sure this guy is acting or, or is this like really what he is? I don't know. Tucker Carlson. I mean, did you, there was some news about him this week about his um, his yearbook, his college yearbook. Did you read that story? Is the story out? All I know is that that was it. The Post called him asking about his, or some people that they called people that Carlson knows asking about him in high school. It's Carlson's Trinity College yearbook, right? And he and it listed him as part of the Dan White Society and the Jesse Helms Foundation. So Dan White was the man who killed um, San Francisco Mayor George. Moscone and Harvey Milk, um, and he was the, California's first openly gay elected official. Uh, and and Helms was a was a North Carolina senator who was um, opposed to homosexuality in the integration of schools of schools. Right. So and this is all apparently turned out to be true. So Tucker Carlson was always a repellent little shit, and he's just more of a repellent little shit now he's older, uh, and he's got a lot more power. So, you know, he's sort of a fascinating character in many ways, you know. Like, I have a real sort of um, obsession with Tucker Carlson because of, like, no. the, ro- the role that he plays in, 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 in society, right, where he, he's managed to tap into this the kind of um, fascistic psyche of, um, you know, of, of the American kind of, the American public, right? He he's perfectly manages to play to this crowd of of white you know white racists right who don't want to admit they won't you, you you know tucker carlson knows what he's doing he knows what he's doing his audience knows what he's doing we know what he's doing he knows that we know what he's doing as well right um but because he's clever and he doesn't say anything too overtly racist right he skirts around the edges and can can sort of you know, he can deny being a racist, right? And he talk about how, you know, anybody who says he's a racist is ridiculous and absurd. But he knows that we know, right, that he's playing a game, right? So we, we, it's this weird little game that goes on with Tucker Carlson that he basically, he's trolling liberals, right? Because we, we all know what he's up to. Um, and he's making sort of uh, gestures to the far right. The far right understands this. The far right understands that he's making gestures to them that he's signaling to them um he knows he's doing this to them too but then he can say like you know i'm not and they're all disgusting and i hate the, you know these people it's got nothing to do with you know with me or who i am so it's this kind of weird sadistic game that he plays right and uh, he jumped on board the trump wagon he figured out that he could monetize this number one he could he could gain a lot of power by um saddling up to the to the far right uh, and becoming kind of their spokesperson. We're sort of one level 
below the, the Milo Ianopoulos's and, and the far, you know, the alt-right, the Steve Bannons, the kind of, the really nasty kind of people who are, you know, saying all the stuff that Tucker Carlson thinks. And they kind of exist in this weird ecosystem, right, where Tucker Carlson basically, I, my take on it is that Tucker Carlson's job in, in the whole kind of right-wing machine was to make Trump palatable to regular Republicans. His job was to translate the craziness um, into something digestible for, uh, you know, more mainstream conservatives, right? That's, that's his role in all of this kind of stuff. And, and everybody else kind of knows their place and they know what he's doing and, and we know what he, he's doing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, he, he's a really, really, really nasty piece of work. He is an incredibly nasty piece of work, like a cousin. It's just the way he speaks about people as well, right? So uh, um, he then he then said that this story about, about his yearbook, right, was it was uh, Jeff Bezos conducting opposition research right this is what he said on his show on tuesday night he said jeff bezos had one of his millions a mentally unbalanced middle-aged man called eric wemple pull our dusty college yearbook and call around and see if we've done anything naughty at the age of 19 carlson said on Tucker carlson tonight that sounds like fun let us know if you hear any good stories but before bezos drops any more of his billions on opinion, opposition research he should know that it will not affect any election outcome this is this is a new show not a political campaign no one here is running for anything or plans to. So he's like, he's managed to weave in, you know, Jeff Bezos. It's not the Washington Post. Like he's got this whole thing that Jeff Bezos is is uh, pulling the strings here and is, is doing opposition research on Tucker Carlson for, you know, God knows. I don't know what, what conspiracy theory he's peddling there. Um, but it's just like the way that he talks about Eric Wemple, you know, calling him a mentally deranged, mentally unbalanced middle-aged man. You know, is it really, you know, there's just a sort of something deeply unpleasant about him. I don't know whether you pick up that same vibe. Oh, oh yes, Ben, I do. I do <laughs> pick up the deeply unpleasant vibe about Tucker Carlson. I will say, I do think he's a bit out in the open with, with his racism. He He's talking about, you know, he's talking about replacement theory. You know, he, he said that we shouldn't, not only should we crack down on illegal immigration, we should just not have immigration at all. He said the country is already full. That's He said that. And he's been saying that more people coming into the country means our votes get diluted. Who is our in this? And obviously you think, who who is his audience? So right. know, the message is very clear. Like, yeah, he's not dropping N-bombs or stuff like that. But like the, the language is, it, it it's very clear what he is saying. And he is saying no more brown people. Yeah, we can't take any more brown people in the United States. That's exactly what he is saying. But can we end on some good news about genocide? Yeah, wait, that's good. I, I phrased that wrong. I phrased that. I phrased um, <laughs> uh, yeah, some happy news. Genocide. Yeah, it's, it's been a long week. Okay, so Joe Biden has recognized the Armenian genocide that was perpetrated by the Ottoman Turks from 1915 to 1917. And if you're not familiar with this issue, you would say, what's the big deal? Biden issued a statement recognizing the genocide of about a million Armenians uh, over 100 years ago. So what? What's the big deal? Well, the big deal is he is the first sitting U.S. president to recognize the Armenian genocide, which is really is just shameful. 
Uh, past presidents did not want to offend our ally, quote unquote, in the Middle East, Turkey. But I guess since President Erdogan has become even more of an insufferable and dictatorial asshole, uh, maybe Biden figured it was the right time to call Turkey on it. Whatever the reason, good for Joe Biden for you know, just acknowledging reality. Uh, it's amazing this is a praiseworthy thing, but there you go. Yeah, I think it's great. You know, I think it's a fantastic thing. Um, obviously, uh, it's not a joyous event, but it's <laughs> anytime you're talking about genocide. But yeah, I mean, this is this is great. You know, this is what I I, I understand the political reasons for not doing so. I, I get it. Like a lot of these things are incredibly sensitive, like geopolitically speaking. You know, I don't necessarily like I know a lot of people who were incredibly angry at Obama because he, he wouldn't come out and call it genocide. You, you know, the, these things are, uh, what's the word, incredibly sensitive, right? But it's like, finally, we can just call it genocide. Like, I, it, you know, he's, Biden is out there, he's taking some risks. <laughs> you know, he's, he's saying what he actually thinks about, about stuff. And he's unashamedly sort of liberal and unashamedly sort of, um, you know, he's not afraid to, like a lot of, at least Democrats, they 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 get they don't they try to they half ask things you know they try to equivocate they try to triangulate um, and Biden's not doing that and this is just another sign of Biden coming down on the right side of history number one and number two doing it without any sort of he's not trying to triangulate here he's not trying to play to to both sides and and say to Turkey hey you know look we're still friends he's just saying no this was a genocide let's call it what it was and I think that's great. You know, just as, you know, he passes the stimulus, right? He's not, like, fucking around with the stimulus at all. He wanted a big stimulus. He didn't negotiate with Republicans, and he just did it. Um, so, yeah, look, full marks to Biden on this. Full marks to him. Um, you know, again, we will perhaps we'll talk a bit more about this next week, uh, about how Biden is actually kind of doing things that he said he was going to do, and he's not apologizing to Republicans about it, which I think is great. And this is just, you know, this is another thing that I think is a, an extremely positive um, accomplishment in his administration. One of the benefits of being really old sometimes is that you stop giving a fuck. I remember my grandfather used to wear sweaters with holes in them, not because he couldn't afford new ones, he just didn't care. And so just like my grandfather in his sweaters... Joe Biden is not giving a fuck on pissing off Turkey by recognizing the Armenian genocide. Exactly. Um, you know, and uh, again, Bill Maher did a whole segment on this about the benefits of age and, and why uh, Joe Biden being old is actually a good thing because obviously he's seen it all. And he's at a point in his life when he's like, yeah, you know what? I don't like that. I don't agree with that. So I'm going to do this. And you don't agree with me because you're too young and you don't know shit. All right. Well, listen, on that, no, everybody, on that positive note, I think we'll leave it there. We appreciate you listening. Please jump in on the comments section below. Get involved. Ask us some questions. We'll get to your questions next week. Uh, we love like discussions going on. Also, uh, please subscribe to us on Spotify uh, and on iTunes. That would be great. Um, also, if you really like us, uh, please become a Banter member as well. That would be greatly appreciated. Uh, we're 100% independent. We're funded by readers and listeners. Uh, we have no source of funding anywhere else. Um, so that would be awesome. You get a two-month free trial by clicking on the link within the email or on the website. Um, again, much appreciated. That's it from me. Uh, Mike, anything else? Ta-ta.